What is the very last verse of the Old Testament? Does anybody know from the heart? How about the very first verse in the New Testament? All right, so let me read it. The very last verse, our verse says, of the Old Testament is Malachi 4, 5 to 6, which says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the father, fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. The first verse of the New Testament is Matthew 1, 1. says, This is a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Even though these two verses may not be the exact last concept of the Old Testament and the first concept of the New Testament chronologically, but the idea is that the last portion of the Old Testament Bible talks about the new coming prophet, the Elijah. The first prophet of the New Testament is who? The first prophet of the New Testament, the first one who preached the message was John the Baptist talking about the new coming Messiah. So these two concepts talk about um, the different ideas of, of the Old Testament and the New Testament. But did you know that there was a gap in between the two Testaments? How big was the gap? 400 years. It's called intertestamental period, meaning there was no testament. So this 400 silent, it's called the 400 silent years by some people, and what happened was that the last prophecy of the Old Testament was done. And the first prophecy of the New Testament has not come yet, 400 years. What happened was that this time was the first, first about 500 year BC to 300 year BC was the Persian Empire um, ruling over uh, Israel. This is a time of peace. Remember, this is the time where Israelites could go back to their country and rebuild their city. And they had relative free of freedom of worship um, without much interference from the um, Persian Empire. They could worship the way they wanted. They, they had relative peace. But then um, Alexander the Great came and took over the land. Um, and now the whole country of Israel became un like went under the influence of Greek. And this is a time where the Septuagint was translated. Septuagint is the, translate, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Because people couldn't read Hebrew anymore or as much. So they had the whole Bible, the Old Testament, translated into Greek so they could understand it and read it better. Like we have English Bible instead of reading Hebrew and Greek. That's what happened uh, during that time. After Alexander the Great had passed away, there were series of other rulers in time of, uh, at the time of uh, Greek. Some of them were really, really bad. And uh, one of them being the um, Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, around 167 BC, he desecrated the temple. He didn't like the Christians. He didn't like the, well, not Christians at the time. He didn't like the people who are worshiping God. Jewish people, and he said he set up the pagan altars in the temples, and he brought pigs, the unclean animals, pig blood on the, on the temple, and he just destroyed the whole temple. And people 
really didn't like him and um, rebelled against him and so on and so forth. And after that, around 63 BC, the Pompeii of Rome conquered Israel. Now, Israelites, the Jewish people, came under the rule of Roman Empire. Eventually, um, Caesars were ruling the land, and this led to Herod being the king of Judea by Roman Empire, uh, Roman Emperor, and also the um, Senate. And Jesus was born at that time of Roman Empire in Israel. That's the brief history of 400 years of time in between the Old and the New Testament, and there was no prophet at that time. And this is also the time where the uh, non-canonical books, a lot of them were written. What I mean by that is that in our Bible, we have how many books? 66 books. And there are some writings people read, wrote and read, which are not part of the Bible. Some have some weight, some, some credibility, but they are not part of the canon for a reason, because they are not part of the canon. However, many of those writings were written during that 400-year time period of intertestament period. And this is when Jesus was born. Now, can you imagine the night when Jesus was born? And we know this is not Christmas. Christmas is not, we say it is Christmas, the birth of Jesus, and we celebrate it, and we are all in the holiday mood, and streets are decorated, people buy gifts, and people travel, and have family time all together. But we know that this is not the time that Jesus was born. And, but we do celebrate that Jesus coming to this earth 2,000 years ago, and um, lay down his life for us so we could be saved. But just, just pause your thinking for a moment and imagine with me what it would have been like the night Jesus was born. This wasn't winter. This wasn't December because we know the shepherds cannot be out there all night in this cold weather in Israel. It's just too cold. It must have been around spring or summertime, possibly May or something. Uh, but just imagine... We sing the song, Silent Night, Holy Night, and, you know, like, cute, all the decoration, and animals, and it's fun. But was it really a silent night, a holy night? What do you think? What do we know about the night that Jesus was born? What was going on? Mary and Joseph, what were they doing? They traveled from where to where? Nazareth, their hometown, to Bethlehem, they're where, where their forefathers come from, their, their original hometown, where they had to go and register for their census. And how far is it? Far. <laughs> About 80 to 100 miles. So for someone who is pregnant, just like Sarah, she's about to pop. <laughs> for her to travel... 80 miles to 100 miles on foot. Okay, so when you see the pictures, she's riding on a donkey. Is it true? Where in the Bible that can you find Mary riding on a donkey? It's nowhere. So the story of Jesus' birth is found in Matthew 2 and Luke 2, the only two places that we can find the story of Jesus' birth. And they don't talk about a donkey. 
You can find it in a non-canonical book where it says she was riding on a donkey and so on, but that's not part of the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that she was riding a donkey. Most likely, knowing that they are not that rich, most likely couldn't afford a car, modern-day car, a donkey, to travel. Uh, so she was walking a lot of times. Uh, most people can walk probably 20 miles a day if you walk all day long. Um, but having a pregnant lady do, like she's about to deliver soon, I don't think they travel 20 miles a day. Um, so it, it would, would have taken quite a few days, maybe weeks, more than a week, to travel from where they wanted to go, from where they were going to where they wanted to go. Now, were they the only people traveling? No. The whole country was traveling. In fact, as a matter of fact, it was the town, town of Bethlehem was so full, there was no room. So can you just imagine? They were walking all day long, all week long probably. They finally got there, like, oh, we are here now. Let's go find, check into a room. Okay, where is your reservation? Can you pull it up? <laughs> okay, pull up your phone. Can you find your information on the internet? And let's just go find the room. So let's check in so we can crash. No, there's no reservation system. Just go knock on the door in one of the hotels or an inn, or possibly, as the Bible says, a guest room of your relative. Like the Bible says, the, the, the word for inn is different than what you find. Like in the story of the Good Samaritan man, um, he put him in an inn, like the hotel, a motel. This word is different. It's a guest room among family members. Because the town of Bethlehem wasn't that big. If, if you look up the history, um, archaeological finds, uh, the population around uh, Bethlehem was about 500 to 1,000 max. So it's a really small town, small, small town, a village maybe. But this place was packed because this is a place where uh, David was born. And this, now they have about 25,000 people living in there. So it's, it's a big city. It's a tourist city. But back then, it was a small town of Bethlehem, old little town of Bethlehem, the song goes. Small town, but still, there were a lot of people coming in. The, the whole country was moving. Can you imagine the whole country moving? When, when do we see that nowadays? The whole country traveling. Thanksgiving, Christmas. I think Thanksgiving and Christmas are the times where we travel the most. Is it like a quiet, silent time during Thanksgiving and Christmas if you go to the airport, bus, bus terminals? Um, there are quite a few times that I was traveling around that time, like Christmas and Thanksgiving, and something went wrong. <laughs> Have Any of you have experienced your flight being canceled? How is it like? <laughs> very, very stressful. You have to be stuck there at the airport. And can you hear me? No? Not really? Okay, I'll, I'll stay here. You're stuck there at the airport for hours without, without knowing when you'll be able to get on the plane next time. And it's just, you're tired, your kids, the whole family is just 
whining, anxious, complaining. It's just a hard time because there are a lot of people traveling and it's just not a fun time to travel. I'm assuming something similar because a lot of people, I have batteries. I don't know what's going on. Okay. So, uh, basically, they're all trying to get into this one small town called Bethlehem. They're trying to check in. They're trying to find a hotel. They're traveling. They're walking. They're frustrated. They're tired. And everybody's trying to do the same. And it's just busy. I don't see silent night, holy night happening here. It's a busy night. <laughs> that's, that's what I can imagine. Because they didn't have time. They didn't have a room to find all they could find a stable and found um, they gave birth there so that's what happened and if you can see when people get together they meet their family members they meet their friends what do they do they eat they talk they laugh they or sometimes they fight they do that all night <laughs> so I'm pretty sure Christmas time at well not Christmas time the night that Jesus was born was a very busy night now, who is ready, who was ready to receive the newborn king? How many people, how many groups of people were ready or waiting for Jesus' coming? So we know some people who are waiting for Jesus to come. Who are they? The, the wise men? The, the parents, yes. <laughs> the parents, definitely. <laughs> and... The shepherds. There were two other people at the temple that were waiting and welcoming Jesus. Who were they? Anna and Simeon. Yes, Simeon and Anna. Now, there was somebody else who heard the message and possibly waiting for Jesus to come. Do you know? Can you guess who that is or who they are? Who? Herod? Um, Herod, okay, we'll, we'll talk about Herod a little bit later. I'm talking about Zechariah. Zechariah. Who is Zechariah? Zechariah and his wife. Um, they were basically um, John the Baptist, Jesus were cousins, right? Cousins. So Mary's sister, basically. Um, Zechariah had a visit from an angel, and they miraculously had a baby, John the Baptist. After many, many years of waiting for a son, they couldn't, and now, all of a sudden, they had a baby. So, John the Baptist was to be the forerunner of Jesus, preparing, paving the way for Jesus. And he was born six months prior to Jesus' birth. So, he already came. So, they knew that soon, and they knew Mary was pregnant because she came to visit, spent three months with, with her sister. So they were aware of what's going on. They were also waiting for Jesus to be born, and they were fully aware of Jesus being the Messiah. So there were a few people that were waiting for Jesus to come, but what about the rest of the country? Were they waiting for Jesus to come? Were they thinking it's about time that Jesus was to be born? No. What was the condition? like 
the general condition of the people at the time of Jesus' birth was this. Herod the Great was the king of Judea, which is a, who is a very passionate man. He's very passionate, very political, ambitious, clever, jealous, and ruthless. He killed three of his sons, his wife, another wife, and his mother-in-law. He killed all of them because of his suspicion that they are planning a plot to get rid of him. If you study the history of how he became the, the king of Judea, it's really brutal and bloody. But this guy was afraid that anybody would try to challenge him and take over his throne. And when the Magi came, it's interesting how Magi were following the star, right? Where were they supposed to go if they were following the stars? We're following the star. They were supposed to go to the birthplace of Jesus, which is Bethlehem. But instead, they went where? Jerusalem. Because they were thinking, okay, well, we come here to this country where we celebrate the birth of a new king. And they, well, where else would be the best place to go find a new newborn king? The palace. So they go. And... <laughs> And they welcome these people from a foreign country. And the news they bring is that, oh, where is the new, newborn king? And Herod goes like, you say what? <laughs> I killed my own sons. I killed my wife. I killed my mother-in-law. Someone who has the slightest chance of taking over my place. I killed them all. Why wipe them out? Now you're telling me that there's a newborn king and you came to visit him and worship him? So, the Bible says the whole country was disturbed. Herod was disturbed. The whole palace was disturbed. But they were not ready. And he calls the scribes, the priests, everybody to find out, okay, where is this place that Jesus was supposed to be born? What does the Bible say? And the scholars say, where? Bethlehem is the place that he was supposed to be born. And the Magi are like, okay, we'll go find him. Fine now. And he says, okay, if you find them, let me know so I can go worship him too. In, well, in his mind, he, was, he wanted to kill him. So Magi come out from the palace and they see the star. According to Desire of Ages, the star was not, in fact, not a star. It was a group of angels leading them to the very house where they could go find Jesus. Now, so the people were not ready, but they were alert. There was a shocking message. Magi came and brought the message. Well, they are Gentiles. They don't know anything about the Bible. But they came and gave you the message. Now, if you were the scribes, if you were the, the brain of the time, studying the Bible, by the way, did Israelites study the Old Testament? Did they know the Bible? Did they go to church? Or did they go to the synagogue every single week? Did they hear the sermons rabbi preached? Yeah. What are the Messianic prophecies that they heard? Well, Messianic prophecy talks about there are a lot of things that he will die, he will be betrayed, and a lot of things. I'm talking about specifically about his birth, 
location of his birth, how he will be before his birth. What are the Messianic prophecies? I, I looked it up, and these are the things that I could find. Messianic prophecies regarding his birth or before his birth, talking about the time of his birth and so on. So the Messiah would be born of a virgin, Isaiah 7, 14, uh, fulfilled in Matthew 1, and Luke 1, and so on. So Messiah will be born of a virgin, will be one sign. Did they hear about the news that Mary got pregnant without getting married? Yeah, they heard that news and they were thinking, you know what, she got pregnant and she's not even married. I wonder who the father is. I'm sure they gossiped about her. Not the whole country, but at least the town where she was, Nazareth. Yeah, people, everybody knew about it. Daniel 9 talks about the timeline, the time chart of where, not where, when the Messiah will be born. It, talks, it pinpoints the exact year, as a matter of fact, when the Messiah will be born. And Messiah will be cut off. The students of the Bible who can recite the Bible back to back, well, not, not the whole Bible, but a lot of the important verses, they could have known the Bible verses regarding the Messiah. Weren't they the ones waiting for the Messiah to come? Yeah, they were the ones waiting for the Messiah to come. The wrong kind of Messiah, though. They wanted the Messiah who would come and deliver the nation so they could be the best, the greatest, the strongest nation of the world. They were thinking, you know, we're tired of this Greeks, we're tired of this, this uh, Persians, we're tired of the Babylonians, we're tired of the Romans now. We want somebody else to come and make us the greatest. But the Messiah that was to come is not the kind of king, different kind of king. The star will come out of Jacob, and also the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Herod the Great will be killing the infants. All these things refer to Jesus that was to be born. They knew all this. Were they waiting? When the message came, were they thinking? So they were not waiting for Jesus to come. But when somebody came and said, you know what? I heard there is a Messiah who was born. I heard there is a Messiah who came. They were like, oh, yes, I read about that. The rabbi told me about that. I should go find out. Were they even interested in finding out what had happened? No. They ignored it completely. The whole palace was disturbed. The whole country, whole Judea was disturbed when the Magi came to visit. Wouldn't you be interested? Just out of curiosity. Let me just go find out what had happened. Did they go find out what had happened? How far is from Bethlehem to Jerusalem? The whole uproar, a whole thing about Magi coming and visiting, the whole palace turning upside down happened. And Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, is how far from Jerusalem? 5.7, somebody Googled. <laughs> 5.7 miles, about six miles. You know how far that is? If you walk around Miramar Lake, how many miles is it? Five miles. Have you walked around the Lake Miramar? Yes. It's just a tad bit more than that. You can do it in about two hours. If you were to walk from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, it takes two hours to walk. And the Magi came 
traveling months probably, many weeks to come. And they're like, you know what? I'm curious. I just want to go find out. The scholars, the priests, they were like, eh, it cannot be true. I refuse to go listen to what they say because they're heathens. They're Gentiles. Whatever they say cannot possibly, it, it's, it's just not right. They refuse to go check it out. That's not, that's not the only thing. When the angels came and appeared to the shepherds, what did the Bible say? The shepherds came and found Jesus, baby Jesus, wrapped in a cloth, cloth, lying in a manger. They went and worshipped him. What does the Bible say after? Uh, Luke 2.17. 2, after they, the shepherd, had seen the child, they spread the message they had received about him. So what happened? The town of Bethlehem, a small town, maybe 500 people, 1,000 people max. Shepherds went, found baby Jesus, and they spread the message to everyone. You know what? Because they just had an encounter with the angel. They've seen the whole angels. They were scared at the beginning because it was so bright at, at night. They, they were speechless because they were shocked. They were scared. They were, they were thinking, oh, are we going to die now? But the angel came and gave them the good news, good message. And they were so happy. They were thrilled. They were excited. They spread the message to everyone. Now, talking about the people in the town of Bethlehem, how many people do you think went and looking for Jesus, found Jesus, and worshipped him there? The Bible doesn't say anything. I don't know how many people were excited about the newborn Messiah and went and found Jesus. I don't know how many. I wouldn't be surprised if only a handful of people went. And if nobody went, I wouldn't be surprised either because the Bible is silent on that issue. I want to read from these are pages, page 43. So the land where the glory of God had been revealed and the light of prophecy had shone, the angels came. They came unseen to Jerusalem to the appointed expositors of the sacred oracles and the ministers of God's house. The tidings of the birth and the wonderful significance of his mission had been spread abroad, yet Jerusalem was not preparing to welcome her Redeemer. And it goes on to say in page 47, it says, had the leaders of Israel been true to their truth, trust, they might have shared the joy of heralding the birth of Jesus. But now they are passed by. The angels came searching for the willing hearts to give the good news, good tidings to them. The ones whose... Um, job was to search the Bible, teach people. The ones the message had been given, the chosen people, they were passed by. Angels came looking for people waiting to receive, who are ready to receive the good news. The angels couldn't find anyone. They passed by. They ran into the shepherds. 
Now, a lot of people fail to receive Jesus during his first coming. Now, we are chosen people. We are the chosen people waiting for not the first coming, but the second coming of Jesus. People had all the evidence to study about the pinpoint year, place, all the conditions of Jesus' first coming. Do we have clues of his second coming? Yes. We have the time prophecy. It doesn't point out the exact time frame of when, but we know that it's overdue because the time chart had already expired. And it's already expired like 150 years ago. The time of the end is already here, and we are just waiting for Jesus to come. We don't know exactly when, but do we hear, do we hear the news of the wars and the rumors of wars? Do we see the earthquake happening? Do we see the famines happening? Do we see all the things, the signs of the times happening around us? Are we going to be like the Jewish people, the Israel, Israel people who are thinking, oh, Jesus was born? Oh, yeah, well, you know, I don't really care. I don't think that's really true. You're only six miles away. You don't know what's happening. If I were to tell you something, do you think you'll be intrigued? Do you think you will find interest? Let me give you an example. Oh, somebody, like someone so from our church bought a new car. It's an electric car. It's a Tesla. It's a new SUV. It's a brand new car. Wouldn't you be interested? Oh, what kind of deal did you get? Where did you get it from? Oh, how, does, how does it drive? We'll be interested, for guys especially. How about oh, someone sold a house recently and made about $200,000 in, in just five years? Oh, wow. How did you do that? Who's your realtor? <laughs> you know, we'll be interested in talking about those things. How about... There's a super slick deal there in Walmart or Target or Macy's. You can save $200 on this product. It's on sale. You can get this coupon. You can find this information on this website. You can go buy this. Now is the time. Well, Black Friday deal was good, but Christmas deal is better. Wouldn't you be interested in finding out those things? Oh, a new Apple product is released. Oh, yes, a new iPhone, a new iPad, a new something. Apple product is released. Yeah, let's go find out. People line up all night to, find, to buy one of their products. They used to. I don't know if they still do, but it's still a hot topic. Someone else's hot house got robbed. Someone, someone got into a car accident. Wouldn't people be talking about those things? Yes. But what about Jesus is about to come? He's ready to come back. How many people would be interested in talking about those things? You hear the news about people dying or famine, tsunami, or something hitting some parts of the world. Like, oh, 500 people died. Okay, move on. Because we hear that all the time. Those things are supposed to be the warnings for us. But are we becoming just like the Jewish people during the first coming of Jesus? We hear about the Magi, the shepherds, Anna and, and um, Simeon and Zechariah, and people like those handful of people who are waiting, anticipating Jesus to come, Jesus to come. But we laugh about those people who ignored the whole thing. 
But what about us? Aren't we just like them? As, in fact, we are the spiritual Israelites. Aren't we the people who are supposed to be studying, preparing for Jesus' second coming? This passage that I just read about the angels passing by. Aren't angels passing by us as well? We should think about that as we spend this time of Christmas and as the year is about to come to an end and the new year is about to start, we should think about what we need to do to prepare for Jesus' second coming. The key word at that time was indifference. People didn't care. People didn't care. Is that the key word in our time as well? Do we care about Jesus' second coming? Because we all say he's about to come soon. But do we really expect him to come soon? Do our lives reflect the message that we hear, that we live in? So Jesus came, and people came to visit. Magi came to visit, and, and so on. And there were miracles, and a lot of things happened. People living in the town of Bethlehem, they know about Bethlehem and also Nazareth after coming back from Egypt. They know about, Mos uh, they know about uh, Joseph and Mary and this new guy named Jesus. What does the Bible say about during the 30 years of time, of his birth and to his public ministry? Do people know that he's the Messiah? Do you think his family members knew and believed that he was the Messiah and he was going to do something amazing? for the human history and the whole universe? They're like, oh, you're my younger brother. Just go do my chores for me. They didn't really care. People, as a matter of fact, when Jesus came back, after he started starting the ministry, he came back to Lazarus, and people were, all came like, oh, let me just hear what this prophet guy, this amazing guy who's been doing miracles, healing people, let me see if this guy that, that I know from his birth, my son played with him when they were going around breaking someone's window or causing trouble or doing all the bad things. My son was among that gang. I don't know if Jesus had done anything bad like that, but I'm just saying, I know him from he was a little boy running around the church or the synagogue. I know all about him. I know his parents. I know his family. I know the whole, whole relatives. I know him enough. I don't think he's a Messiah. He's not any different than any other boy. He's a little bit different in a way that he's a very good boy, nice guy. But other than that, I don't, think, I don't see anything spectacular, anything amazing about him. They had full of doubts. They came to see if he could do any kind of miracle. They didn't have the open heart. So what about during that 30 years? They had time to prepare. If, they, if you didn't prepare for Jesus' second, first coming, they had time to prepare and study and research during the 30 years. Did they really study and prepare for Jesus? No. In fact, many of them rejected Jesus. A lot of them accepted Jesus. Many of them rejected Jesus to the point where they, they nailed him on the cross. We are God's people, God's chosen people. We have this mission, we have, this, we have given this privilege to know and spread 
the news of his second coming. How are we preparing? Yes, we are celebrating this time where people come home, families reunite for this Christmas season. This is great. We have great food, great family time. It's all good. But are we forgetting Jesus in this season? Let us remember and let us keep in mind that we have something very important about to happen at this time. How many of you want to be ready for Jesus' coming? How many of you want to proclaim the message when Jesus comes? Let us prepare our hearts and let us be ready at this time. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you that you have come to this world about 2,000 years ago, preparing the way for us, providing the way of salvation. And Lord, 2,000 years passed, and we are waiting for your second coming. Lord, are we becoming just like the Israelites of your first coming, ignoring what's happening, not paying attention to what's about to happen? And when Jesus came, when that happened, they ignored what had happened, and they purposely refused to go listen and believe. Lord, I'm afraid that we would be like that. So, Lord, we pray that you will prepare our hearts. Help us, help me to be ready for your second coming. Prepare us, Lord, so that we could be ready for your soon coming, and we will be the messengers sharing, spreading your soon coming, Lord. Bless us. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise team, please come on up. Behold him come, time, behold him, offspring of a virgin's womb. 